of December, we decided to, to, to look at this word, behold, building up to Christmas, building up to uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, that we looked at at Christmas Day, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, a saviour has been born, the climax of the Christmas story. And, uh, and it's just been this word, behold, that has so ca- caught my attention, and it's what we've been, what we've been looking at together as a as church family, this word, behold. We sometimes miss it, sometimes it's become like a bit of an old-fashioned word maybe, but, but in the Greek, this word, behold, uh, the fullness of this word, I just have, I've come to so love this word, uh, this, this idea of stopping, to pay attention, to come closer, and to experience something. That's what this word, behold, is the, f- the fullness of this word in the Greek meant to stop, come closer, pay attention. There's something to experience, and so we uh, we started off we started off a new year, not, necess- not necessarily looking at uh, that word behold, but sort of the encouraging ourselves to stop, to pay attention to where we're at, and to make some decisions about the rhythms that we're going to set in place in this coming year. And for me, as a, a, a months ago, as a, as 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 I have been evaluating, even before the new year, I've been evaluating the own routines of my life, the rhythms that I have set in place, the things that I prioritize. And one of the things that has been a real struggle for me, and one of the things that I've been so challenged by in terms of the establishing daily rhythms or weekly rhythms or monthly rhythms, whoever way you want to look at it, is the idea of fasting. I think the last time I spoke about fasting was, well, for one thing, it was probably far too long ago. The, the second thing, probably, because it felt like there was so little for me to say about it. And third thing, I, th- I think I remember saying this the last time that we did speak about it, was that, for me, there was, there's been a bit of, fr- of a frustration, as I think about it personally, that we've, that, we've, that we've championed that we're all about food, fun, and fellowship, and we love the food, and, 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 and we, we almost flippantly look at this idea of fasting we stumble along it we stumble across it we we just completely fluff our lines when it comes to fasting and uh, and so I'm I'm longing my deepest prayer for myself my deepest prayer in some ways for for many of us that this would be a rhythm that would be established this year and I think not not just for the sake of it I think it would be a significant for many of us if this would be a rhythm that we established. See, the Hebrew word for this word, behold, it, all, it, it, it is pretty good. It doesn't feel like it's got the full oomph that the Greek has. But the word behold that we look at uh, really briefly in Isaiah 58 verse 4, uh, the, the, the Hebrew meaning is that, you, you, that we are calling to attention. We are calling to attention to a fact upon which action is to be taken. And I think that's what we want to do this morning. That's what I want to do as we come to this idea of fasting. Setting fasting as a rhythm of your life. I want to call attention to some fact upon which action must be taken. That's what I want to do this morning. And in Isaiah 58 verse 4 it says, this is Isaiah 58, I'm going to come back to it in a bit. If you have your Bible, I encourage you that you would maybe keep it open. There's going to be a few places that we're going to go to throughout this morning, and if you're able to follow along, uh, I'd encourage you, I'd love you to do that. But the words, in, the words that Jesus speaks in Isaiah 58, uh, 
almost that whole chapter, it seems, it seems really harsh. But verse 4 says, that, that Behold, he's calling their attention to something which our action needs to be taken. He's saying, Behold, your fasting, it ends up in strife, it ends up in quarreling. You cannot keep on fasting the way you do and expect your voice to be heard from on high, I think some versions say. Behold, your fasting ends up in quarreling and in strife. And maybe, it's maybe in verse 5. It says you cannot, you cannot keep on fasting the way you do and expect your voice to be heard from on high. Ch- it's a challenging part portion of scripture and we will come back to it but I want to I want to just uh, I just want to sort of probe a wee bit on what your thoughts are what are your thoughts when it comes to to fasting um, maybe I, I mentioned it last week that we we're going to we we're going to call you to this on Sunday we we're going to call you to a week of fasting and I wonder what your thoughts were what are your thoughts towards fasting See, for some of you, maybe you're thinking, well, I went to Matthew chapter 6 and I seen that, that Jesus was saying, don't make it known. Like, nobody should know that we're fasting. He, Jesus says himself that, it, that do it in such a way that it will not be obvious. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, how can we have a fast where we're all taking this fast on and it not be obvious? That doesn't seem to make sense. But I want to suggest that there is times for, for, for this, for private, secret fasting that, that is not obvious to many. Do not disfigure your faces. Don't let people know that you're fasting. But there's also a corporate fast that, that the people of God were called to over and over again. So if you have been reading through your Bible reading plan still, let me just find it. Just in case nobody knows what it is, I think maybe about two years ago we we uh, purchased several of these little books. More precious than gold. It has truly, for me, been more precious than gold. Been most one of the most wonderful Bible uh, Bible reading methods that I have ever come across. And uh, and so uh, it's three or four pound if you want to get it. If you know yourself that you'll not get it, and uh, you'll. You'll let on that you will. You want to be held account to it. Let me know and I will get it for you. It would be my pleasure to do that. But in Ezra chapter 8 is where, the, is where you would be today if you were still following this reading plan. And here, Ezra, there's this return to, the, return to Jerusalem. They've been in exile for years. And they've been brought back. The people of God are being brought back to Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the tower. They're, they're going to rebuild the temple. And they're not, it's not without its challenges, it's not without its difficulties. And so at the Ahava Canal, Ezra chapter 8 verse 21, if you're following or you want to take a note of it, there by the Ahava Canal, Ezra says, I proclaim the fast for all the people so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey. And a couple of verses later, he sort, of, he sort of tells us what, what, uh, what this safe journey, why they're, why they're up against opposition. And then he tells us in verse 23, So we, people of God, fasted 
We petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. See, Jonah, Jonah is, is one of those books that I never fail to be challenged by. But in verse 5, Jonah has almost reluctantly made his way to Nineveh, uh, preached what seems to be the shortest evangelistic message there's ever been. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And upon listening to that, the Ninevites believed God. This is Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5. The Ninevites believed God and so they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. The news made its way to the king of Nineveh. And he made this, he made this statement for all of the people. And in verse 10 it says, when God saw this, when God saw what they did, when he saw that they had declared a fast, they put on sackcloth, they humbled themselves before God, God saw that. He, they turned, how they turned from their evil ways. He, he had compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. There's other places we could look. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 says, Blow the trumpet. Declare a fast. Gather the assembly. And a few verses later, it says, And afterwards, after you do that, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And all flesh. There'll be prophecies, there'll be dreams, and all all people will know the fullness of the Spirit. And it was after the, the blowing of the trumpet, the declaring of the fast, the gathering of the assembly. So I want to encourage you that this is something that is really important for us to do together as a church family. This is something that's really important for us to do together corporately. That we gather together. We declare a fast and we make petition unto the Lord. We align our hearts with his. We fast in such a way that our voice would be heard. Last week we spoke about rhythms. And we mentioned, we've seen that even Jesus, even Jesus established these daily rhythms. And I'm so grateful for, for the rhythms of Jesus. Because we're told, of the, we're told a wee bit in, Luke, in Luke's gospel about the rhythms of Jesus. We're told that in the morning, he went about his business. He went and taught in the synagogue. And then in the evening, he went to his usual place to pray and to be with the Father. And I'm really grateful for that because I've, I, spent, I spent so many years living in such guilt. Because everybody told me if I wanted to get closer to Jesus, if I wanted to... To uh, be fully obedient, I had to get up early in the morning and spend my quiet time in the morning. And I live with the guilt of that, but there's, I'm, I want to, maybe I need to free some people from that this morning. That is not uh, a sign of your spiritual maturity. I am so much better. I am so much more alive and awake, attentive in the evenings. It's when I give my best time to Jesus. And so I'm not going to dismiss those that spend the early morning. You get up early in the morning if that's what you do. That's really good, really important. But I'm going to follow the rhythm of Jesus and do it in the evening. I'm only joking. I'm not, I'm not trying to claim Christ, more Christ-likeness. But Jesus established this rhythm. He, was at, he usually found, if you were going to look for Jesus, you'd have found him at the Mount of Olives. It's been cool reading through Acts, actually. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, already picking up that that's where the disciples had found a usual place. They went to Solomon's colonnade. That was where we're told that that was, if you're going to find where the disciples of Jesus were, chances were you're going to find them 
that Solomon's Colnar did, followed the, the method of Jesus, establishing these daily rhythms. And the question I'm keeping on asking myself, especially at the start of this new year, at the threshold of 2016 into this 2017, I'm asking myself, how do I redeem the routines of life? What rhythms are there? What rhythms can I establish that will help me ultimately what Jesus said was the, was the crux of it all. It was in loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving people the way I love myself. What rhythms are there that can help me to lo- love God and to love others? Actually, what, uh, currently, as I, as I probe a bit further into my, where I'm at now, I'm asking what rhythms, what do my rhythms reveal about my love for God and my love for people? How do the routines of my life reveal my love for God and my love for people? They're questions that I find myself keeping on asking over these last number of weeks. I'm encouraging you to ask yourself the same thing. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're, you've read through the Bible, you are well-versed in Scripture, and you've nowhere have you seen that fasting is a command. Talk about it, that's okay, but... Is it even a command? And, and, and as I have done the same, I've looked through the word and I've tried to find somewhere that I can say there is, you must, you must, you shall. I don't think there's any language to, for me to say that it's a command. It's, there's probably nowhere where we can say, this is a command, you must obey this. But for me, as I read through Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter nine, I th- I believe with all my heart that it was an assumption of it was the assumption of Jesus. I wholeheartedly believe it was the assumption of Jesus that those who follow him would fast. You've heard it before many times, I'm sure. Matthew chapter six: When you give, when you pray, when you fast. There were three things that were so part of of Christian devotion. They were all part of Christian devotion. It was the assumption of Jesus that those that follow him would do these three things. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, which I alluded to, the disciples of Jesus are questioned, why did John's disciples fast and your disciples don't? Why are they getting away with it? Why do they not have to? And so Jesus gives an answer that I think shows that fasting is for the present church age. It's for now. It's for us today. Jesus says, while I'm with them, while I'm with them, there's no need for them to fast. But I'm going. And when I go, that will be the time when they fast. I think there's an assumption in those words. There's an assumption in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 that those that follow him would fast, that they would pray, that they would give. All part of Christian devotion. And this is where I've, 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 as I've searched, as I've searched myself this week, I've done it for the last number of months, but specifically this week, I've been wondering, why is it? Why is it that I find this really, why is it that this is an area that I find really tough, really hard, and I don't, want to be, I don't want to be one that stands up here and blames our Western culture. But for me, there's something in where we're from that makes fasting that much more difficult. 
And maybe it's unfair for, to, to say this as a general statement for everybody in the room this morning. But for many of us, we can give without, without sacrifice. I love the story of the woman in the Gospels that give all that you had. And there's maybe some in the room that maybe that's, be, that's maybe the case for you. And I don't want to dismiss that. I want to be really careful. But I'm thinking it's all right in general to say in the West, we could give £20 a mission today and it wouldn't be a big sacrifice. We can, we can, we can come to pray on a Wednesday night at 7.30 and it's not a huge sacrifice. We can lie up on our beds and at night time before we go to sleep and, and converse with Jesus and, and fall asleep and there's not a big pile of sacrifice. And I think especially where we live, especially in our society, and where I really don't want this to be too general. I hope you don't take me up wrong. But I just think fasting involves a larger sacrifice and that makes it slightly more difficult. That makes it harder for us to prioritize it. It makes it harder for us to take it on as something that will be a part of the daily rhythms of our lives. The early church followed something called the didash. And that, was the, that, that involved fasting twice a week. Every Wednesday and every Friday. And I'm a big fan of John Wesley. I love John Wesley. Any Methodists in the room, I love you. John Wesley urged Methodists to follow this didash. He urged Methodists to follow through on this, on this rhythm that had been established by the early church fathers. That they would fast every Wednesday and every Friday. He not only urged them, he, he did more than urge them. Because anybody that did not do that, anybody that did not establish this as a weekly rhythm, he refused to ordain them in Methodist ministry. And so I don't know what you think about that, but this is, this, he realized this was a sacrifice that needed to be made. This was a sacrifice that, that those that were going to take ministry seriously, you need to deny yourself. You need to sacrifice every Wednesday and every Friday. And so there's loads of ways that we could, we're not going to do it this morning, but there's loads of ways that we can see wh- why fasting is beneficial. We see, it, we see it in parts of Scripture where we're going to find out the will of God for our lives. We see it in other places where we fast for, for God's intervention. We've already seen it in the book of Ezra. We've seen it in the story of the Ninevites in Jonah. We've seen it even in the life of King David whenever he was pleading for God's intervention when his boy was, was sick and eventually, and eventually died. We've seen people, individuals, nations fasting for God's intervention. We've seen King David fasting for humility. We're told that he simply put on sackcloth and humbled, I humbled myself with fasting. So he says in Psalm 35, Psalm 35 verse 13, I put on sackcloth and I humbled myself with fasting. But I think there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's one thing that I maybe would love us to, to consider this morning. There's many areas that we, can, that we could challenge ourselves with, whether it's for God's intervention, whether it is for humility, whether it is for 
discerning his will for your life. But let me go back to Isaiah 58. Let me read it. Let me read three or four verses in this chapter. This is the complaint of God's people. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? This is the reply. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? Listen to this. This is, the kind of, is this not the kind of fast I have chosen, God says, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide poor, the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe him, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? I want to suggest to you that something that might be important for some of us, that we would fast to overcome addictions. We would fast to overcome addictions. We would fast to reveal the things that control us. I almost feel if that, if that was one thing that I, that I would want to encourage you with. I think it's been one of the blessings for me. Sometimes it's been really difficult, but it turns out to be the most wonderful blessings. It turns out to be the most, his, his most wonderful acts of mercy when through a period of fasting that he would reveal the things that control me, the things that have a control on my life. Fasting will reveal that. Fasting reveals the things that control us. And, and I think that's why God is saying, this is the fast, this is the sort of fast that I've chosen to loose those chains, to untie those cords of the yoke, to set oppressed free. And the reality is, I'm sure like many that will open, uh, I'm not sure what will be on all of your cards when you open them tonight. But I think for some of us, they will allude to the fact that we want to be more like Jesus. It's, it's the goal of the Holy Spirit. It's why he came to make us more like Jesus. And the reality is, the truth is, what I've come to realize about me is that I, I want to be more like Jesus. And if I want to be more like Jesus, I must, I need to know what controls me. I need to know what, what, what cords need to be untied. I need to know what needs to be loosened if I want to be more like Jesus. I've realized how easily those, those things that are non-essential, I've realized, and I, th- and I think we're seriously, through, through times of, of, of fasting, through times of establishing that as a, as a weekly rhythm, I've realized that how easy it is to allow non-essentials to take first place in our lives. It's so easy. And part of me understands when Paul said, everything is, everything is technically legal. Eugene Peterson tr- translates it in the message. Everything is technically legal, but not everything is, is, is spiritually all right. Not everything is, is spiritually appropriate. 
he goes on to say, if I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by, get away with, I'd be a slave to my whims. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. And that's probably why a few verses later, I'm not going to encourage you to do this, but a few chapters later, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, I, I beat my body. Don't, I don't want it, to, be, I don't want it, be, it to, to enslave me. I don't want it to, for it to control me. So it's almost like he's, I don't know what that meant. I don't know what that looked like. But he was bringing it into submission. He's not going to allow, allow those non-essentials. He's not going to allow those things of the flesh. He was not going to allow those things to dictate his life. He was not going to become a slave to them. I believe with all my heart that as we do this together, as we take this on corporately, the fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm realm that will not happen any other way. I love worship. And in a moment I I will combine worship and fasting together, but there is some things, there is some things that will not happen. There is breakthroughs that will never take place without fasting will not happen in any other way and this has been the story of the church right from its conception this has been the story of God's people right you'll read it, you can read it right from the beginning Tertullian in 100 AD you can read the, 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 the prioritizing that he placed on fasting you can read it right up to Martin Luther you can read it right up Right through the people of, of faith, John Knox. John Knox fasted and prayed, crying out this prayer, give me Scotland or I will perish. Charles Finney. Charles Finney said it was very profitable and he was very much inclined to frequent days of fasting. Let me read this from, about Charles Finney. Charles Finney, in speaking at the beginning of his revival work, says... I had been in the habit of rising early in the morning and spending a season of prayer alone in the meeting house. I used to spend a great deal of time in prayer, sometimes I thought literally praying without ceasing. But I also found it very profitable and very felt very much inclined to hold frequent days of private fasting. On these days I would seek to be entirely alone with God and would generally wander off into the woods or get into the meeting house or somewhere away entirely by myself. He declares that when he detected a diminishing of the spiritual wonderful presence in him and through him he would fast for three days and three nights and after doing so he testified that he would invariably be again filled with the holy spirit's marvelous power the testimony of charles finney in general inspires me but reading this reading this the times when he felt the spirit's wonderful presence diminishing he would take upon himself to go through a period of fasting of praying and then again be filled with the Spirit's power. I've already alluded to, to John Wesley. Spurgeon, listen to what Spurgeon says. I am not sure whether we have not lost a very great blessing in the Christian church by giving up fasting. I think I may fairly ask you who are lovers of souls, who have eyes which do weep and hearts which can feel, to try my master's prescription, which is fasting. 
and save the most unmanageable devil which ever took possession of a human heart, be not driven out as a result of prayer and fasting in the exercise of your faith. David Brainard was an incredible missionary. Died at the age of 29. Was ministering to the Native Americans. But again, he had established a rhythm of fasting every Monday. Every Monday. He fasted. And I just think it's interesting that for there is not one book. It's been well recorded, well documented. There's not one single book written from 1861 to 1954 on fasting. And so I think there's something... There's something stirring today in the church that would, that would recognize the significance of this, that would once again establish this as a rhythm of, the, of personal life and the life of the church. And so there are areas that, that I want to encourage you to, to take a look at this week. Ultimately, I know that it's, it's fasting from food. I know that's the examples that are given, and I would encourage you to do that. But it's just because of, it's just because I've been so gripped by Isaiah fifty eight that I'm that I am encouraging you to find the things that control you. This is the day. This is the type of fast that the Lord has chosen that you would loose the chains. You would untie the cords of the yoke. You would set oppressed free. And so I'm encouraging you with fast to reveal the things that control you. And for many of us, it will be food. So I'm going to ask you that for the next seven days that, that, and I'm not making this a blanket thing that everybody has to do the same thing, but I'm just asking you for this one week that you would do something. Maybe for you, you just need to fast one meal for the week. Maybe some of you can fast one meal every day for the next seven days. Maybe for some of you, I'd encourage you to, to try, start off with 24 hour. If you can, have your breakfast in the morning and wait till the next morning. If you can try that. I'm encouraging you. All I want to do is that encourage you to establish this as a daily rhythm. Maybe there's some that can do you a whole week. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're ready to wholeheartedly sacrifice a whole week just to be with him. Maybe you can just fast from delicacies. Maybe try that. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says that he stopped taking the food from the king's table. All those good wines and good meats. I'm sure if it was today it would have been the, the lint chocolate or all those kingly things. Fair Russia, that's really kingly, isn't it, from the adverts? Maybe it would be denying that. Fasting from delicacies. But for me, my, my, my biggest passion in this is that you would establish a rhythm that is true to who you are and true to where you're at. I want to I wanna really encourage you that you would walk well before you can run. See, I've come to, I, I don't know where this quote came from, but it's so true. The stomach is like a spoilt child. And whenever it's not getting its own way, it, it, it lets you know. It makes a bit of a noise. It makes, it, it gets a bit, angry, it gets a bit cross, rumbles a bit. But the thing about a spoiled child is that a spoiled child does not need di- indulgence, it needs discipline. A spoiled child does not need indulgence, it needs discipline. 
And so there's times where there's times where over the last number of months where I've 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 more went down the line of once a week. That's what I've tried to establish one day a week. I'm I'm longing to get that place where it's where it's more. But I'm trying to walk well before I can run. But there is times, it doesn't happen every time, but there's times where I can see what Jesus meant when he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth. There's times where, there's times where fasting is, there's no greater level of intimacy than whenever you fast. It doesn't happen every time. I would love it that it did. I'd love it I could stand and say, like, do this this week, and I can guarantee you 100% intimacy. But I think there's something that, that, that the Father is beginning to honor that rhythm being established. Begin to sense more clearly that proceeding voice. Those words that proceed, that come directly, that come currently, that come right now from the mouth of God. So I'm encouraging you to do food. But at the same time, as I've said, I want it to be true to where you're at. I want it to be true to who you are. I want it to be true to the, to the things that maybe do control you. I think I said this the last time, that maybe we just need to look at our media usage, need to look at our phones, all of that. And I know that that gets people feeling really anxious. Become so attached to our phones that we don't like anybody to tell us that. I hated it. I realized it becomes so attached to it that whenever Judith would say, you spent too much time on your phone. What are you even looking for? I found myself getting so cross. Because it was true. It was the thing that controlled me. I become enslaved by it. And sometimes you don't like that. But I've found that I need to untie the cords. I've found that I need to loose the chains. And setting my phone downstairs in the living room has been one thing that has helped untie the cord. Buying a six pound five ninety nine alarm clock from Argos was well worth it. It feels like it's loosed the cord, untied the cord, loosed the chain. I've come to realise that I am under no obligation to respond to its every beep. I'm under. I don't. I'm not under. I am not obligated to that thing. And and at times to reflect as, as I realize that, it, that there is a loosening. still pulls me back in. But the times where I'm most aware of it now is, as I shared last week, whenever, whenever I'm thinking about conversation with Judith, but then I started to think, actually, now that I've opened that, I think about the times where I'm conversing with my kids about their day and my phone will beep and I'll answer my phone and stop conversation with my children. Horrendous. It's a horrible feeling. To recognise that I would, that I would, I feel an obligation to respond to the beep of my phone and stop conversation with my kids. That is not a feeling I would want for anybody. It was awful. But we do that, and we, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for those feelings when, I, when I, we come to, a, come to an awareness that I've done it with friends, I've done it with family, I've done it with people that I love and care about. And then I want to, I want to loose the chains of this. And so maybe that would be true to where you're at. Maybe that's where you need to begin to, to walk well before you can run. 
I don't even know how this looks, but just like a, a, a fasting from our consumer culture. Maybe that means just fasting from some people. Maybe it just means like just being on your own. Like just a, a fast from everything. Fast from everyone. Maybe for some that wouldn't be the best thing to establish a rhythm that will help you love others better, but it could be the most significant rhythm to help you love him better. And, and finally, I know, I know we're, we've ticked on a bit, but, but this idea of worshipping and fasting, this has been part of, again, this is for me, I'm speaking to where I'm at, I'm speaking that's true to, to, to who I am in some ways. But those times that I've, that I've, when I've established a rhythm, I've made sure that I set out time for worship. That I'm not just, that I'm not just fasting and nothing else is happening. I'm trying to make sure that as I, as I fast, I'm worshiping. And so whether that's in the car, whether that's at home, whether wherever that looks like, just worshiping. I love the story of Anna. Story not too often told in Luke chapter 2. Told of this prophetess. And she was very old. She, uh, she was a widow. She was 84. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 37, we're told she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And then again, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, there's something that for me, that as, I, as I finish, there's something that maybe for us as a church, this seems significant for me. Maybe we just need to wrestle a wee bit more with it. But I'm asking, I've, I've asked myself the question on a personal level. When was the last time I made a decision based on the Holy Spirit speaking? I'm asking myself that question sometimes for the church. When was the last time I made a decision for the church because the Holy Spirit spoke? And I just think if we were to establish the rhythms that were set up by the early church, we would see breakthrough like we've never seen before. We would hear him speak with such clarity like we've never done before. Because in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we're told that while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So they fasted and they prayed and they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And there would be a new dynamic to our sending when we lived this way. I think there would be a whole new dynamic to it. I, I, I love how we've sent Nigel off. It's not to criticize that, but I think there would be something, there should be something more. There would be an, another realm. There would be a deeper level that we fasted and prayed. The Holy Spirit spoke. We fasted and prayed again, laid hands and go. This is again to go back to Spurgeon. This is what he said about those times where they did this in the, in the place that he lay at the tabernacle. Our, our seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle have been high days indeed. Never, listen to this, never has heaven's gates, has heaven's gates stood wider. Never have our hearts been nearer the central glory. Seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle so this is my prayer. Seasons of fasting and prayer at Grace Community Church. There have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gate stood wider. Never have our hearts been nearer the central glory. So I'm asking you, 
I'm asking you this week. And I don't want it just to be this week. I want it, I want it to be the beginning of a rhythm being established. I think it could be really significant for you. It would be really significant for those that you're going to intervene for. You're going to pray and fast on behalf of. Could be really, I think it could be really significant for our church family. And I think it ultimately be really significant for the communities and the nations that we represent. I believe this. I believe it. I really do. Something shifted in me with regards to, to fasting. This, this voluntary denial of a, normal, of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. And so I'm encouraging you. And maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody. I would, I, I'm, trust me, I'm no guru on this whatsoever. I might be embarrassed by some of the questions that you might ask. But I would love to help establish a rhythm that is true to where you are, that is true to who you are. Because there's something like Nicola's pregnant. That has to be taken into account. People are on medication, all of that. It has to be true to, to who you are at the minute. It has to be true to where you're at spiritually. Like if you're going through a really rough time, don't take on a seven-day fast. If that's not what you're at. If that's not where you're at. Start to walk well before you can run. And whatever it is, I'm, my prayer for you is that you find the thing that controls you. My deepest desire Every morning, every Sunday morning especially, not that I wait till every Sunday morning to pray for you, but the general prayer for all of us is that we would look more like Jesus. We would look more like Jesus. And, that, well, and if we're going to look more like Jesus, we need, we need to know the, thing, the things that control us. So, Father, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for these people in this room. God, I, I, I think of that song that we've sang. Oh, it's stunning that, that because of what you've done, we stand in your righteousness alone. It is stunning that, that what was Jesus by nature is now ours by grace. And we love you and we want to make decisions. We want to establish rhythms that reflect, that reveal how much we love you and how much we love other people. We want to recognize that, that Jesus, you assumed that this would be something that those that follow you would do, would establish, would be part of their devotion. And, and so we want to make really good choices on, on how we respond to this word, how we respond to this challenge. And God, would you reveal the things that control us? Would you even now, by your Holy Spirit, begin to loosen the, the, the cords that, that tie the things that so easily entangle us, we want to lay them aside and, 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 and run or race well. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to lay aside the things that so easily entangle us. And so as we, as we do that, would you, you come and you affirm and bless and speak and let us hear your voice. Let us fast and live in such a way where our voice will be heard. We worship you, we love you, bless your name. Amen.